Good day, it's Wednesday, it's Sports Stars Tahai, and we are back after a few weeks break. It is Sports Stars football in its new slot for the upcoming season as we get ready for the return to action in games in the Northern Hemisphere. Hope you joined us over the last few months as we focused on activities down in Australia, but it's great to say we have the Little Ladies National Football League returning on Sunday week, or actually not really Sunday week, actually returning on Friday week with live television coverage. I'll be talking about some of the main points happening in ladies football in just a moment. My name of course is Darren Kelly but just let you know what we have coming up on the show later on. There's a new senior football manager in Tipperary. He's an All-Ireland winning hurler. His name is Declan Carr. He was recently at the Tipperary LGFA press night and we will have a package from that as he spoke to Assemble Media about why he took the job, his targets for the year and how Tipperary players have to start believing that they belong in the limelight taking on the top teams. There's also a big fundraiser coming up in Emmavale Football Club in County Monaghan, 30 kilometres in 30 hours. We talk to their current treasurer, founding player, Orla Nesbitt, as we look back at the history of the club so far and also what to expect on the June Bank holiday weekend. And we'll encourage anybody interested in getting involved to do so. That's all coming up in the show. Of course, if you're wondering where is she, well, Neve Kendlin will be back next week right here on Sports Stars Football as we get ready for the action that weekend. She'll be featuring a couple of games every week and occasionally don't forget to check out our Big Match podcast every second week on average. That will be a football game as well. It's been a long break. For too long a break. I'm looking forward to getting back to action. Of course, my camogie has to be this week, but I look forward to seeing a football game the weekend of the 21st, 22nd and 23rd of May. However, a lot going on behind the scenes in recent weeks, and we'll just talk about that for a moment. Uh, Split season is happening. We have dates for a championship, dates for the league, and hopefully now the world is starting to move into a post-pandemic situation. It has to be reminded, we're not out of it yet. So do air caution, please wear your masks, please sanitise your hands, and please make sure that we have seen the last of these dreaded lockdowns. Ladies football will have an All-Ireland at the beginning of September. That's an All-Ireland final and plenty of activity to look forward to over the next couple of months. And we'll be following it all here on Sports Stars. And even looking at some of the announcements this week, TG Carr are going to broadcast 10 games live in this year's National League. A big jump up from 4 to 10. That's why I had to correct myself at the start. It all begins on Friday week, the 21st of May. Cork against Tipperary in Division 1 South. I don't know the official uh, names of the divisions in the Ladies League this year, but we're calling it South because there's the Munster teams. Cork against Tipperary, followed by Galway against Mayo, which is officially North, I'd imagine, on the Saturday night and more games beside the two Division 1 semi-finals will be live, one on YouTube, one on the television, and they'll also broadcast all four National League finals on TG Carr, the Divisions 1 and 2 on the television, Divisions 3 and 4 on their YouTube channel. Great work being done by the LGFA uh, with that. The uh, great work being done by the WGP and the GPA together now in uh, getting female intercounty players the recognition and funding they deserve. You probably have heard us say it numerous times. And we're pragmatic too. I can understand what sponsors decide. I can understand marketing costs and 
we're not saying here that everything has to be 50-50. That's not the world we live in. But government funding should be. And Minister of State f- uh, for Sport, Jack Chambers, who I described as Santa Claus on the Camogie Show this week, has said now that female inter-county players are going to get 1,200 each, equivalent to their male counterparts, and not before time. Well done to everyone. That's also well done to the LGFA on uh, looking after mileage of their inter-county players as well. They have taken the step there to do it out of their own pocket as well. That is very, very good. So that's all my plaudits out there. However, there's one issue that has been brought up, and we're going to talk about it in more detail next week, but it has been brought to our attention, and it was mainly brought to our attention after we recorded most of the segments of this week's show. No All-Ireland Underage Championships in ladies football for the second year in succession. Look, I'm going to say it straight here. After saying all the good things ladies football are doing, this is an own goal. Yes, there's provincial and championships and uh, opportunities for players, but come on. I, last year there was criticism. You could understand it the way the world was. And um, we had talked about the school's finals, which I still think should have been played, but that's a conversation for another day. But why? The boys are doing it in hurling. The boys are doing it in football. Camogie are doing it. Why aren't we having an All-Ireland final? It's not something we're going to leave. We are going to talk about it in more details. But just, if anybody from the LGFA is listening to the show, let me throw this idea out here. Why not, the second or, not the second week of September, the third week of September, let's not go clashing with Camogie now. I'm tired of talking about the clashes. It's a celebration of underage football. It's of All-Ireland finals over one weekend, O'Connor Cup style. Semi-finals on the Saturday, final on the Sunday. Give these players an All-Ireland series. It's of a celebration. Now look, if the world, if things aren't improving, I can understand that there has to be pulled closer to the time. But why can't we do it? Why can't we say sometime in September, let's say, why? let's take all these provincial champions across the three different age groups. Let's all come together for a big celebration of football, like a fela, but a fela for older children playing ladies football and celebrate our young players because... Well, it's been great work done and we've had 56,000 in Crow Park and there's leadership and player pathway programs starting in 2022 and all that. You go two years without giving these players their moment. You're running a risk. And at the end of the day, we can celebrate the present, but we have to have a future. And I'm not saying that the LGFA are not doing things and they're doing great work and all that. And you'll hear later on uh, Orla Nesbitt from Emma Vale talking about the projects that they've done to promote the game in, in their club that have been led by the LGFA. But I seriously would cons- reconsider this situ- decision. And I'm, I don't think we should be just putting out here without an option. I'm, I'm throwing out an option here. A celebration of ladies football. The third week in September, two weeks after the All-Ireland Adult Finals. Under 14, under 16, under 18. Provincial champions of 2021. Yes, you'd love to revisit 2020. We can't do everything. But let's have a 2021 championship. Let's have an All-Ireland and give these players their opportunity. Even if it all has to be done on one weekend. Let's have an All-Ireland at underage. That's Darren Kelly's opinion on the matter. I hope somebody is listening. Let's get the campaign going now. Let's say, right, one weekend, we can make this happen. It won't affect the club championship. Um, 
if you're having a provincial championship, you're cutting down the amount of teams that have to travel. Let's do this. Third week of September, All-Ireland Underage Ladies Football Finals. Let's get on the bandwagon and let's do this. That's my plea for the day. I've done enough giving out Camogie-wise in the last few weeks. I don't want to start our football shows doing the same thing, but I'll put it out there. Uh, give us your thoughts. Leave a comment here. Email us at newsandsportstars.ie or put a comment on our social media engagements, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. That's it for now. We'll get Neve Kendall's thoughts on the matter next week on this show. Coming up later on, I've mentioned her already. I'll mention her again. Orla Nesbitt, founding footballer with Imifail in County Monaghan, current treasurer, talking about the history of the club, the work they're doing at the moment to promote the game, and an upcoming fun fundraiser. They're definitely going to have 30 kilometres in 30 hours. It sounds interesting. She'll be letting you know how you can get involved. But first, a marquee name for hurling fans. He's now well involved in underage uh, sports, um, managing as well. He's the new Tipperary Senior Football Manager, the... He stout on the knockout stages last year of losing two championship games by one point. Tipperary are playing in Division 1 of the National League this year. They're big name players. We've spoke to Ashley McCarthy. We've seen the exploits of Orla Dwyer and Ashley Maloney is one of the top players in the country. Declan Carr um, was at the recent Tipperary LGFA press conference and here's what he had to say coming up after the break. I like listening sports dads because I like to listen to... Ladies football and ladies camogie. New Tipperary senior ladies football manager Declan Carr recently linked up with Assemble Media to look ahead to the Premier County's Little National League campaign. He started by explaining what attracted them to take the job. A number of things really was having started a young family a couple of years ago. I had the fortune of having all daughters, five daughters. So that straight away when they started their sporting careers it involved me more in in lady sport and then i i suppose i would have seen the massive disparities between the how the ladies were treated and the men's and it probably didn't sit that well with me and i suppose when it's happening then to your own it's kind of more personal so that got me going and i got incredible enjoyment out of it and not because i took it any less serious i found even working with the girls even at a young age they were really really honest about their endeavors and I found with girls in sport, they either buy into it massively or fail to buy into it at all. So that was the starting point. And we were only starting a young football club in Holy Cross. So I got in at the start of that with Pat Morrissey. So it went from there, I suppose, really. And kind of that's how I'm probably sitting here where I am. Didn't immediately get or go looking for it or, or get involved or chase it down. I suppose this job wasn't highly on my radar in terms of I was still consumed with what we were doing in the club and there was unfinished competitions that we were involved in and through nobody's fault, you know, the county board and fairness were trying to run them off and we all know the COVID story. So it wasn't kind of high up in my agenda and it probably had slipped on by until I suppose I had some interactions with the county board and I suppose conversations grew from there. So it wasn't something that I was watching for anxiously in the newspaper. And I suppose ultimately it didn't catch me by surprise, but Shane had done such a good job. And as I keep saying, there was nothing broken. So I, I did, it wasn't on my radar that they'd be looking for a manager even at that stage. Regarding ambitions for this season, the All-Ireland winning hurler didn't want to set a particular goal, but feels he has hungry players wanting to achieve. 
like any manager, you come in and you look for low-hanging fruit and it's scarce, to be honest with you, but there's a crop of young athletes there that are hungry and anxious. I suppose with, with being hungry and anxious, where I see bits of room for improvement is in their eagerness to compete, there's some probably fundamental errors of, of losses of possessions because that's because they're so anxious just to, they're attack-minded. And I certainly wouldn't bring any negativity to football in terms of that, but it's kind of losing possession on forced turnovers. And again, it's all because of their eagerness to go forward and, and be part of it. So there's probably room in their speed of thinking and their decision-making on the field. And I've no doubt it's not because it wasn't addressed. It's just no more than myself, my own voice will become hard to listen to in, in a while too. So it's, it's kind of just maybe a fresh voice might give it a fresh angle. That's all. I would be reluctant to set targets to say we'll do this or we'll do that or an All-Ireland semi-finals good result because when you get to it and if you got bet, you're disappointed. So our target would always be our objective and our goal would always be to perform as good as we can perform. And if we're not winning, hopefully we're learning as opposed to losing. So I think targets like that are they're probably false enough, really, because you have to be realistic in one hand and on the other hand, you can't set them high enough. So I think our objective is, can we improve on the areas we talked about? Can we be competitive for 65, 70 minutes? If the game goes on longer than it needs to go on or you're asked for more, can you give more? So for me, I wouldn't focus on a target of a game or achieving a game or a level or a a position in the league. I would say performance will be key all the time. But despite his playing success, Declan Carr still isn't without butterflies on occasions and is determined to give Tipperary the best of preparation despite the short window caused by the recent lockdown. We have the same amount of time as any other team. Absolutely disappointing. I actually found myself, if it's been honest, incredibly nervous on the first night collectively training. And I don't normally get nervous. It's because we had so many interactions through Zoom with these girls. It's when you see them face to face and they have an expectancy and I have an expectancy. So... I, I found the first night actually you know, one of the more nervy nights. But certainly, how do we prepare? You could look for the negativity in it and say we were you know, it's hard done by it. But forget all that. There was massive opportunities in it. We did some great Zoom sessions in, for strength and condition, where was another area I feel that they needed to develop to be a top, top team in the physicality when I look at Dublin and Corp. So we were allowed time then to do, albeit through Zoom, this strength and conditioning. You can see the evidence on the girls outside. So there was upsides to it if, if there is such a thing to the pandemic, but there were certainly upsides for us. And all we do is take the positives out of it. Look, we are where we are. We have three or four weeks to get them together, same as anybody else. We use our time as wisely as we can. I think the world is a lot more complex place now than it would have been, you know, even when I was playing or even managing 10 years ago. It kind of requires all of these angles to be covered. There's an awful lot of demands and for the athlete themselves they deserve it and they deserve that care that should be attributed to them then you hope that it's reciprocated so but certainly it's a learning curve for everybody certainly for me as well yeah absolutely finally when asked about the upcoming league campaign the Tipperary manager said that it's a good thing that they face a challenging program and putting themselves in this position will allow the team to prosper I'm looking for the positive and it is a positive. You could get, dare I say it, different games in the league and you could come in thinking that you're in good shape or into a championship. But if we can go out and be competitive against Cork, Waterford and Dublin, 
we'll know then if we're competitive there, we'll be competitive in the championship. So really and truly, that's another positive for me. Again, I say this with dreaded, could have got easier league games, but a more rude awakening in a championship. So I think it couldn't be scripted better. And the other thing I'd say in relation to that, and this is what I've said to the girls, they're now operating on a national platform. Potentially two of their games will be televised. So this is where they need to play at to be able to compete. So there's no kind of, I suppose, false stance. They need to know that they are now up at the top level and it'll be in their own hands to stay there. Counties that wouldn't be competitive in ladies football can roll the names of temporary players off their tongues. That's for sure. But what we need is more of the same. And again, getting up another bit or another level. Ashley Maloney is as good as she is, will do the same thing every day and be excellent. And those other players you mentioned, but we need more of them rather than having two or three or four. And what I see out there now is girls beginning to mature and not because I came along, but because I suppose age and to be a truly great team, you need the great players to bring up the other players with them. That was the Tipperary Senior Football Manager Declan Carr speaking at the recent Tipperary LGFA press conference. They begin their National League campaign on Friday week when they take on Cork, the first of 10 games being shown live on TG Carr. That is Friday the 21st of May. Monon will be in action that weekend. They're playing in Division 2. They're up against Cavan. They'll have a good portion of Emmyvale players involved in that team. And Emmyvale are making plans for the June Bank holiday weekend, getting the gang back together uh, to use the term ex-players current players um, supporters of the club coaches parents everybody involved um, I caught up with Orla Nesbitt recently uh, from the club to talk about the history of them they've won All-Ireland titles uh, they've competed at county level they've moved up the divisions and to give us a flavour of what's happened over the last 30 years what they're doing at the moment and what they plan for the future as well as that upcoming r- fundraiser and we'll hear from Orla after this break. I like listening to sports dads because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. Now I'm delighted to be joined by Orla Nesbitt from Emmyvale Football Club in County Monaghan. A big year they are having this year, celebrating 30 years of the club that was established back in 1991 and so much history over that period as well. And first, Orla, thanks a million for joining us here on Sports Dance Football. No problem, Darren. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Orla, you're a founding player player on the team. Can you believe that the club has reached this landmark celebration? Yeah, it's, it's not uh, doing much good now for the confidence, making me feel very old. Um, but uh, yeah, it's saying something whenever you were involved with the club at the start and you're still there 30 years later. But <laughs> anyway, that was the nature of it back then. The players were much younger, I suppose, so... That's, that's going to be my line. I'll stick to that. I was very young. I started. Oh, I, 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 I definitely, definitely wouldn't disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it, we're going to talk about an upcoming fundraiser taking place in June, 30 kilometres and 30 hours. And we'll talk about that before we finish up. But mm-hmm. uh, just as we talk about the club starting off, just give us, give us an insight back to that period as well and the decision that was made to form a football club for your area. Yeah, so uh, I suppose ladies football was only starting. It was a whole a whole new idea. Um, Monon Harps and Ahabog, Maher Clown, they would have been the big clubs in the county at the time. Um, you know, so they were competing at quite a good level. And the two ladies that founded Emmy, the ladies had went to actually see a match. 
So I think it was Man and Harps and Ahabog. They went to they went to watch them. And um, Jerry Moon and Marion Donnelly, I better mention them here. And um, so then they were watching the game and they kind of said to themselves, why do we not have a club? Why does MBL not have a club? So that's how it all came about. And um, they put their heads together and just put the word out there and had a few meetings and that was it. And, you know, thankfully back then, you know, the men's club were fully supportive of the ladies going out and playing football. So, you know, I think, you know, they even paid our affiliation fees at the time because there would have been no funds. They would have paid the buses, let us use their jerseys and use the facilities. So, you know, not every club was as lucky back then because there were clubs even in our own county where they couldn't play home games or they couldn't train on their grounds, you know, that the club wasn't probably as supportive. So we were very lucky to have to have a club that fully supported the ladies playing football. So that's that was the start of it, yeah. Because there was great footballing interest there, not just yourself and a few of your peers around that time. Of course, a guest we've had on here in the fair green before, Brenda McInespy. She did come back in, yeah. in the end, but um, yeah, she was yeah. playing with Monin Harps, I think, around that time. She was, yeah. Um, I suppose when Brenda, Brenda, as soon as the ladies' football came on the scene, Brenda was the first one to sign up. So, Emmyville didn't have a club at the time, or I suppose she was in Scottstown, maybe. Although she's probably married at that stage. No, she was in Emmyville. So yeah, she went to play in Harps. So because she started out there, she stayed there. So some of us have had the pleasure of playing against Brenda and playing with Brenda. Definitely prefer playing with Brenda. (laughs) It's a a much better experience. Um, Yeah. It's a great teammate to have as well. And of course, when we talked to Brenda on the fair green, she even set herself uh, one off, if not the crowning moment of her career, I think was the intermediate All-Ireland title win back in 2008, where she'd come back and played with mm-hmm. her family as well and the people she grew up with. A great day for the club. We'll talk about other honours in the moment, but no doubt mm-hmm. uh, the, one of the first days you think of is that day in 2008 with the intermediates. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I stopped playing football at that stage. Um, I think actually I had my first child about two weeks uh, before that final. Um, but yeah, Brenda had come back just in time, so um, it was brilliant. Um, you know, the club had got a junior final. I think it was in two thousand and six. And um, that went to a replay. Unfortunately, in the replay, they lost. But um, that put them up into intermediate the next year. So, you know, they, they got there very quickly. I think they're only two years in intermediate football and they won in All-Ireland. So it was just brilliant. It was brilliant for the community and for the villages and Emmyville and Glasgow. And, you know, it just brings such a buzz to the time when things like that happen and brings the girls together, you know, that have those memories forever. It's a highlight in the record books at the moment, but there was a journey to get there as well. And while that might be the crowning moment in the club's history so far, especially at national level, no doubt there was many key moments and great days of celebration in the years leading up to that. Yeah, um, like, well, I suppose they played at junior level for for a, a good long period of that. And probably starting out as well, you only you didn't have that many members. So I know whenever in my earlier days when the club had started first, you really only would have had a senior team. And the age range on the team would have been from maybe 12 or 13, you know, right up to ladies in their 20s and maybe 30s. Um, But then as time went on, it was probably about growing numbers and kind of making the sport that wee bit more popular and, you know, getting girls involved. That was what the big focus was. So as the numbers grew, you were able to put in, you know, juvenile teams, you were able to put in a minor team and, 
under 16 and further on down. So just nurturing that talent and, you know, that takes years to come through. So probably in 2008 was the uh, culmination of all that hard work and, yeah, growing the numbers that... Or I know you took a break from the club for a bit. We'll talk about that in a moment and the current stage of it. But as a player too, to see it grow in front of your eyes during your own playing career as well, no doubt brought great uh, pride, especially in what has been achieved for the club. Yeah, it's it's great. It's just being part of a club like that's I I probably had been away from the club for about ten years. I'd gone away traveling and had lived in Dublin, uh, but I moved back to Emmyvale then when I was thirty five and I had four kids. And you know, after being out of your town for a long, you know, such a long time, you've kind of lost touch with people and stuff. So for me, the first thing to do was to go back playing football and. Um, it was just a pleasure, really, to get back out in the pitch and reconnect with people. And, you know, you're reconnecting with a different generation, but kind of meeting people that maybe used to play with years ago and stuff. And, yeah, just football. It's great. It's great outlet for people and for bringing people together. And, of course, as you mentioned, it's all about bringing on the next generation as well. And that's, of course, your own generation lays the foundations for that. If it wasn't for those damn done mine, we might be talking about a lot more stories in this conversation. <laughs> Exactly. I was hoping to get through this interview without having to say the D word. Yeah. Um, look here, I don't mind. Yeah, I know sometimes you kind of say to yourself, if, if we were, if the team was around maybe in any other time when Dunamine wasn't about, you know, what what else could they have achieved? But, you know, Dunamine are just a super talent, you know, and there, there's a team that have been together maybe for heading on 20 years, you know, the same kind of personnel involved, same management involved. Um, they're great and they're a great example. They're just, it probably drives you on as well. It's always kind of pushing you to to get better. I know it can be challenging trying to break past them at the moment and I won't mention their name again, but yeah. I said I said this in one of our podcasts back in July and I went up to watch, I think it was done a mine against O'Neill Shamrocks in yeah. the opening round of the championship, but there might be only five senior teams, at least in 2020 anyway, but the standard of Monaghan club football is very, very strong and maybe the signs are slowly, it's starting to show again now with the inter-county team. Yeah, no, you do, you do see that, and even you know, yeah, we're mentioning Dunamine, but yeah, there's there's other teams out there now that are just as hard to beat, really. Um, O'Neill Shamrocks, and you've got Emmett Oaks and Latin are there as well. But yeah, you can see that coming through now. The you know, even the county team for them to have stayed at the top level for all of these years. There's great talent there, and there's great work being done at the minute by Kieran Murphy and. Um, you know, it's a new era hopefully coming in for Monaghan Ladies Football. Yeah. It was definitely an encouraging 2020. And of course, we mentioned the standard there as well. Let's talk about the club currently before we go to the fundraiser. Like there's plenty of work going on at the moment, even during the current COVID-19 world we're living in. Give us an idea of some of the recent initiatives and achievements the club have been involved in, like, you know, various different projects that you've worked to promote the game, both regards playing and also in regards awareness. Yeah, Uh, well, probably over recent years, in 2018, we applied for the Gaelic for Girls programme, and um, we were delighted to be successful because we were kind of getting a little bit concerned with maybe some of the numbers that were coming through. So between that programme, I think we had 26 girls who signed up for it, and um, now, three years later, between, you know, that level, they're all, I think they're all still playing at under 12s or under 14s. They stuck it out. 
So that did wonders just for the recruitment and um, for recruitment end of things. But there was other knock on effects to that in terms of like the benefits to our committee, you know, getting those new girls involved meant you had new parents involved and just them coming over to the pitch. That was like an eight week program on a Saturday morning. So they were coming over and probably getting to know each other, getting to know ladies football um, and it kind of got them interested in the club. And you'll find now a lot of parents from those girls are now involved in our committee. Um, and then it just created a great buzz around the community at the time and awareness for the sport. So, yeah, it was it was really good. And there was good collaboration with the schools. At that time, we went around three different schools in the parish just to promote the programme. So you built up relationships there as well. Um, and then that was such a good success. But the following year, then we applied for the Gaelic for Teens programme. Um, in 2019 and were successful with that also. Now, it wasn't really so much about recruitment. It was more kind of to upskill the coaches that would kind of look after maybe the under 14, 16 minor age groups. Critical age group as well. Yeah, yeah there's a big concern there just with the drop-off levels at that age. So it was kind of just um, educating the coaches on different practices and different emphasis in sport. You know, it's a, lot, a lot of it's about having fun and participation um, you know, taking the emphasis maybe off be, being so competitive and winning. So that was a great experience for our coaches too. And then they were able to come back and share that knowledge with the rest of the committee and other coaches at different levels. So yeah, yeah, it's been brilliant. Because a lot of these initiatives, you see them on a tweet or, or a Facebook post or even an email. It's very easy to ignore them. But like even just if this is for other clubs listening, these are very, very important for stabilising and building a club. Like you're a prime example yourself in as treasurer at the moment too as well but if you don't have these parents coming in you don't have people enjoying the experience we're not mm-hmm. going to be here in 30 years time again having this conversation about celebrating 60. Yeah exactly um, no and that's that's the other aspect of the club I suppose it's not always about what goes on in the pitch you know it's what goes on in the boardroom too and just having a robust and strong committee that you know just brings different ideas so at the minute like our committee we've got you know parents from all different age groups being represented there's senior players on the committee. Um, so just everybody kind of gets their, their viewpoint across and it just leads to a dynamic club where, you know, there's different, you're willing to take on initiatives like that and there's help and the support. And then probably out of that, like another thing maybe that happened was that a couple of years ago, it was different treasures at the time. I can't take the credit for it. Um, but they approached one of the local businesses here and secured a three-year sponsorship um, which, you know, was kind of groundbreaking for ladies football at club level and um, to get something like that. But I think, you know, they were able to appreciate the good work that was being done. Um, they had daughters that were playing football, so they could see all this activity that was going on and were happy to get involved and get behind it. So we still we still have that going at the minute. And it's a great support for the club. And it brings us to where we are today as well. Emmyville 2021, they're back in the field, thankfully. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Children are back playing football. That's what they should be doing. Bar obviously winning the county senior title, which is the obvious aim for 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are Emmyville now and what are the, uh, as you mentioned there, the great to have the sponsorship and all that. What are the plans going forward? Yeah, well, so our underage have been out maybe for about two weeks now. So I suppose the concern, uh, you know, for coming out this year was probably about our numbers, you know, and especially at that teenage age group. Um, there was a bit of concern there with maybe the break of COVID where girls going to come back, you know, after being used to the break, maybe they might decide 
they weren't going to come back. Thankfully, that doesn't seem to have been the case. You know, we've got great numbers coming back out. So it's really the focus this year is just getting them back out, having fun, um, you know, not worrying too much about what you win. Like people have just missed out on so much over the last year and a half, just being on the pitch, exercising, being with their friends. So for now, we're focusing on participation and the enjoyment of the sport. And um, hopefully next year, then when you get into a full year of things, we can see, hopefully see a bit winning. Already planning ahead, Orla. That's yeah. the that's the activities on the field, of course. And it looks mm-hmm. like we'll get a chance to do this properly this year. Yeah, Before well, we talk about yeah. the fundraiser, celebrating 30 years, is there mm-hmm. plans even provisionally in place for doing something later in the year to honour the birthday of the club? Yeah, we're hoping, you know, towards the end of the year, if um, depending on how vaccination programme goes, I suppose, but hopefully we can have a bit of a gathering. And we really want that just to be a celebration, celebrate 30 years as a club, um, bring together past players, past managers, our founding, um, the ladies who found the club, and bring that together with the existing um, players that we have now and the parents and just have a big celebration of the club. So just to suppose in advance of that, then we're hoping to do the fundraiser. So there's already a little bit of a buzz has started there. We've got um, past players getting involved in this fundraiser and there's a bit of chatter going on and memories being talked about and yeah, starting to have fun with it already. Just before we move to that as well, make sure you remind us when these big events happen later in the year. We'll plug them here in Sports Stars and we might even have another chat on it. But as you mentioned, the work is already beginning. I'm just putting my screen up here in front of me. And another reason why we're talking is to mark the occasion, Limavale are hosting a commemorative event, 30 kilometres in 30 hours or like. Give us an idea what the plan is for the June Bank Holiday Weekend. Okay, so we plan to start on Saturday of the June Bank Holiday at three o'clock. It kicks off um, and we're kind of doing it, structuring it that a team leader will, will have their te- team leader and they're going to cover the 30 hours so that they're going to go out on a 3K walk or run and do that every three hours over the space of 30 hours. So it means you'll be going at three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock three in the morning, six in the morning, and continuing on to the six o'clock the following evening. Um, so each team leader then will gather up a team of supporters, you know, roughly 10 or so, and that one of those people will come, will, will share a leg of their journey with them. So, yeah, it's a great idea. One of our committee members came up with it. And, um, yeah, we just, we're loving the idea. So we're just working at the minute on getting our team leaders so we've kind of nearly got about 10 of the past players maybe who've decided to take it take it on. And then we have parents at juvenile level and then our senior team are making up about 10 teams as well. So it's, it's gaining legs. Sounds like a good training session. <laughs> That's well, yeah, it's part of our training for the weekend for the seniors. But it's unique and it's different. And I was just reading it there as you were telling me as well about it, because like we we're talking about 30 leaders to do the full 30, but then they're bringing 10 each. So you could have a situation occurring where we've 300 people out and about for this weekend, uh, helping raise funds for MFL Ladies GFC. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. It's just to bring everybody together. It's kind of making it a community thing as well. Um, and obviously it has to be COVID safe. So, you know, it's outdoors um, and, you know, smaller groups, and, you know, we were probably map out uh, routes in the village and over in Glasgow and around the pitch. But, you know, people can just go from their house and on the roads as well. But it's bringing together, it's, it's, it's to celebrate the 30 years of the club. So it's just great that we're able to bring back, bring together people who were involved maybe 20, 30 years ago 
and playing and right up to the present and it'll just be a real celebration. Hashtag 30km in 30 hours or hashtag 30 years of MFA ladies. If somebody wants to sign up for the challenge, how do they go about it? Yeah, well, they can go to our Facebook page, um, MEVA Ladies, um, and they can send a message there, or people can just get in touch with me either, um, or Lynette, but, um, but probably send a message through to the Facebook page is the best way. And now, Orla, before we finish up as well, no doubt there'll be many people you want to thank for helping you out uh, regards getting this fundraiser together and all the other events taking place this year. Just probably one thing, one group that we do need to mention is our the men's club. I know we mentioned them there at the start when the ladies were set, starting up and, you know, still to this day, 30 years later, we've just got so much great support from our men's club. Um, I'm actually involved with our under sevens team this year and just with the nature of ladies football that we don't start at under 12. So um, our young girls are starting out with the men's club at under sevens and under nines before they maybe come in to us at under tens. Um, and they're so well looked after there. Um, and I think we had 40, 44 little ones running around last um, Friday night and half of them are girls. So the future is bright. But yeah, we do. We have great support there from the men. They let us, you know, we'd be using their facilities and we're just delighted to be to have them supporting us so well. And they're actually doing their own fundraiser this year. I can maybe drop that in. Win a pot of gold. So you can actually win a pot of gold uh, to the value of 50,000 euros. So that might be something people might be interested in. You got me at 50,000. Uh, so yeah, it's win a pot of gold.ie. So if anybody wants to have a wee look at that as well. That was Orla Nesbitt, treasurer of Emmervale Football Club in Monaghan and the founding player as well. And there's details on how you can get involved with that fundraiser coming up. Just while I give you the email address here as well in case you don't have it. But it's also on sportsdaz.ie. It's emmyvale.monaghan at lgfa.ie. It's the club's email address. And if you want to get involved in the 30 kilometres in 30 hours challenge, you should do. A couple of things we did leave out that I just want to mention from Emmy Vale. They did win a league title against Stone Moyne in 2014. The D word mentioned in a positive light. <laughs> Rivalries and battles up in Monaghan. Always good as they are around the country. They won three All-Ireland Sevens titles in 2009, 2015 and 2019. Monaghan very strong I've said it on our podcast before uh, you know even though Dunham might have been the top team for quite some time there's a few knocking at the door and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if one of them do get their day in the sun in the near future also a shout out to the three club all-stars from him Vale, Kira McInnesby Trace McNally and Gronia McNally the latter two of course sisters there as well that was Orla Nesbitt from Vale Football Club earlier on you heard from the Tipperary Football Manager Declan Carr. That's it for this week's show. Next week, as I mentioned, Neve Kendlin is back. We'll get our thoughts on the All Ireland Underage Championship situation. And we'll also be hearing from Dublin footballer Lindsay Davy ahead of the start of the Little National League. I'm Darren Kelly. I hope you enjoyed the show and join us again next week here on Sports Stars Football.